As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of The Forum Club. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And for the first time this season, we are welcoming Mo DeKeel, a writer for Bleacher Report, podcaster for The Athletic, good friend of mine, frequent guest on the show, uh, but first time this season. Uh, Mo, how you doing? I'm great, man. I, I I thought you lost my number or something. We were, <laughs> we were like two weeks into the season. I said, man, I, Jovan might not love me no more. We, 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 try, we tried to make it work a, a week. That was a week or two ago. We, <laughs> That's we couldn't true. find the, the right time, but we're doing it now. And I, I'm pumped to have you on. I, I'm pumped to hear your thoughts on this Lakers season. Uh, and because we haven't really talked much about it. We, we don't got the... The, the the person who's too big for us now is is Waz who left us. Uh, yeah, our little and, our little uh, group chat we had. Yeah, our group chat <laughs> has died with, with Waz. But uh, <laughs> I, so I mean, I'm coming into this green. I I don't know your thoughts, good and bad, on this Lakers season. So as things stand, the Lakers are seven and five. They've won a couple games in a row in overtime. It, it was <laughs> pretty ugly. Both of them uh, went over Charlotte. Went over Miami. Uh, but to me, I, I think this Miami win was their most impressive win of the season. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler exited in the second quarter, but there was no LeBron for the Lakers, uh, along with you know several key rotation guys. So I think that about evens out uh, on both sides. I mean, if anything, you would still maybe say Miami has more top end talent, more more overall depth. Uh, you know, kind of with, with some of their uh, complementary guys. And the Lakers gutted that one out. And I, I, again, was really impressed with the way that they closed that game the last few minutes and into overtime. Uh, so the, the Lakers, uh, as I said, 7-5, and five, uh, 13th in defensive rating, 20th in offensive rating with the way the eye test kind of suggests the opposite. But uh, they, they do have a above league average defense. So I guess before we get into some of the more recent stuff, what are your overarching thoughts on this team for this season so far? And um, are, are they about where you expected them to be given the just overhaul of the roster, the injuries they've had, or are they below expectations, above expectations? Like kind of what, what, what are your overarching thoughts for them? Well, I got to start out with like, I was wrong at the start of the season because I actually thought they were going to roll 
in the regular season. I thought they were going to hit the ground running and get going. And literally during game one, I was like, "Uh oh, they 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 have more going on than than I thought. They have more things they got to figure out." Did you not watch the preseason, Mo? No, I did, but also (laughs) it wasn't like they didn't play anybody in the preseason, and that that was also kind of a mistake, to be honest. When you have that kind of overhaul, you probably should have spent a few more games with LeBron, Russ, and uh, AD playing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just because I understood you didn't want to tax these guys and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to play heavy minutes throughout the season, but you got to get the chemistry right. You know, you can't use the regular season early on as the experimentation when you have four games you can throw away. And I think that was kind of a mistake, but it was so I was clearly wrong in that. And I thought they might have, they might be a little further ahead than, than was expected. But overall, this is like I never expected them to be good defensively. I'm surprised Jovan, their 13th even this early in the season. Like, I thought they'd be in the 20s um, with the way they're playing. It's not looked pretty most of the time. Russ is averaging a ton of turnovers. LeBron is averaging 4.2 turnovers, which kind of gets overshadowed by all of Russ's turnovers. But that's a little bit high for LeBron, too, when he was playing. So, you know, this the way I look at it now, it's like, yo, this is a work in progress progress and i feel like they're going to play a very different level of basketball towards the end of the season than where they're at now now they're just trying to figure each other out yeah i I think that the the defense uh you got to give credit first and foremost to frank vogel and his coaching staff uh for (laughs) making something out of you know frankly not a, a talented defensive roster i mean aside from ad lebron when he's locked in Dwight yeah like I think the front court is good defensively like you you look at Dwight AD LeBron Trevor Ariza when when he's back like I think they have some length and athleticism even if some of those guys are a little bit older but look at the backcourt and uh it's something we've talked about just ad nauseum on this podcast like the 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 perimeter talent defensively is just not really there and and even I think with their defensive success a, a lot of it you know like so, sometimes the guys will will gamble and uh, like Russ gambles a lot and and we'll get some steals and stuff on the backside. But for the most part, I, I think it is a lot of AD and LeBron when he was healthy and uh, Dwight like kind of covering the the mistakes and uh, you know I, I thought. But look, they went small at the end of that Heat game, and I, I guess we can transition into some of the more recent play. Like they went small down the stretch, and Dwight fouled out. DeAndre is, is a two-shift player at this point, only plays the beginning of the first and third quarter. And that and might be two shifts too many. It, it, it is. <laughs> uh, we, we can get into that uh, too. But like, I was really impressed with their just overall defense. And yes, P.J. Tucker got the uh, that tip dunk that sent the game into overtime. But aside from that, despite going... And Miami was small too, but... The Lakers, you know, the defensive rebounding has been an issue for them, even with the big lineups and and teams scoring in the paint. And the way that they protected the paint last night, the way that they cleaned the glass, I was really impressed. And it was a level of effort and execution and, and focus that we have not really seen from this group. And, you know, a lot, a lot of their wins have been, in my opinion, you know, because of the offense. And that's why it's so jarring to see them 20th in offense. But like, a lot of it's just we have AD and we have Russ and you know Melo's been cooking at Staples and uh, it's just like we, we've kind of overwhelmed you with 
you know, you, you have to compromise your defense in, in some way to defend AD in the post or, or to defend Russ uh, penetrating. And a lot of it is just leaving shooters wide open. And you also saw that last night where the Lakers hit 18 threes. Uh, I, I thought, you know, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Melo, uh, Kent Bazemore. Uh, I know I'm forgetting someone, but like just on and on down the list, like guys were hitting big shots uh, throughout the game that, uh, you know, just, just kept them in it. And then, you know, they made that comeback at the end of the fourth. So uh, I, I guess let, let's, I mean, you, you mentioned Russ and the turnovers. What have you seen from him in terms of his style of play? Have, have you seen adjustments from him, even subtle ones or, has Russ basically just been Russ and, and that's who he is? And it's, it's more so the Lakers that you see adjusting around him and, and kind of changing their games. Well, I think it starts with, you know, when Russ is out there with LeBron, he's trying to figure out who he is, right? And and where he who he is with LeBron on the court. When he's supposed to go, you know, full board and when he's supposed to peel back. And, and that's going to be the adjustment that he's really got to figure out. In the games LeBron hasn't been in, it's been Russ being Russell Westbrook. And honestly, that's kind of what the Lakers need one LeBron's back as well. You know, they're going to need minutes where Russ just goes, I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm going to go off. And I think those are the things they need. Now, does that mean there are going to be games where he has seven turnovers? Yes. But, you know, he's going to have, but he's going to make up for it sometimes with the activity, getting to the rim, blowing by guys and creating opportunities for everybody. I think that's, the ultimate thing there I'm, I, I'm seeing from Russ and, and that's where the adjustment is, is I feel like he's almost playing a little too timid at times, you know, and I'm not a big Russ fan. I, I it's been said at nauseum. So nobody re- really cares. We all know it's not the best fit, but it's just like, it's definitely not going to be a good fit if he's going to play timid. You know, they have no chance of success if he's going to play not like Russell Westbrook, you know, and that's that's going to be the ultimate key there. The one thing I thought that was really interesting, Yovan, in these two games, you know, the Charlotte overtime win and the Miami overtime win, they blew the lead against Charlotte, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, they they kind of gave that game almost away up until uh, overtime. And then in the Miami game, they won and took it. And I think that's why you're right when you go like, this was their best win. And it's not so much just the quality of opponent, but they went and fought back, clawed the, their way back into it to win those ga- to win that game. And I think that's a big thing and a big kind of like a, a, a li- taking off point for the Lakers potentially. Yeah, no, that, that that's a really good point. And that's what AD and Russ both said that after the game when essentially asked like, why did, you know, what led to the comeback? Why did you guys win this game? They both said resiliency, and that was something that we haven't really seen from this group. If anything, we've seen the opposite, where uh, you know they, they go to Portland and get punched in the mouth early, and that just compounds into an embarrassing blowout loss. That they, they had the two blown, uh, you know, the the twenty six point first half blown lead against the Thunder, and a nineteen point first half blown lead against the Thunder, which like. You know, I, I think most people would say the Thunder are the the worst or at least the least talented team in the NBA right now. And for them to lose in the manner in, in which they lost, and, and, you know, a week apart, right? Like that that was just, I mean, that's as low as it gets is, is blowing that type of lead to the Thunder and doing it twice within a one-week span. Uh, you know, th- there was some, 
Uh, I think it was kind of like the low point of the Lakers season, that one week stretch where like they, they lost to the Thunder twice, then they lose uh, to, to Portland and they've bounced back and, and responded in an encouraging way, in, in my opinion. And I, I think it wasn't just the resiliency. It was the execution. Like they out executed Miami down the stretch and uh, they, they also out executed Charlotte. Uh, but you know, that that's a little bit more expected, I would say, but to, to beat a, a good Miami team, that even without Jimmy Butler, I mean, they didn't miss a beat, right? Like they, they ran the same stuff. It was just a little bit more Tyler Hero, a little bit more uh, Bam Adebayo and uh, some more Kyle Lowry. And like that that's a really talented team. And for the Lakers to go toe-to-toe with them and get stops and secure defensive possessions and, uh, you know, find... I thought one thing, I'm, I'm curious your, your take on this. Uh, one thing I've noticed is the Lakers are doing a better job having their shooters be w- within the passing, you know, eyesight of AD in the post, Mello in the post, Russ. You know, they, they've kind of figured out the, the passing angles for Russ, and like they got a bunch of open looks against the Heat. And I, I think that the game plan right now against the Lakers is pack the paint because uh, you know Russ can't shoot. AD is. You know, if, if he wants to take a 20 footer, take the 20 footer AD. Like, we, we'd rather you do that than like drive or, or post up on us. So, I think everyone right now is, is just loading up in the paint, uh, especially when they're playing, you know, two big lineups. And the, I think the consequence of that, though, is the Lakers are now countering with Carmelo Anthony shooting over 50% at Staples Center and Wayne Ellington coming in and, and draining a bunch of threes and Malik Monk. And like, it's not going to be like that every single night, but. I think the process of, hey, if you have four or five guys defensively in the paint, we're going to spray out and have these guys relocate and have these guys be in the right spots uh, to, to kind of attack you. Like That to me is, a, is an encouraging development and, and something that when we see the idealized version of this group you know, with the improved shooting that they have, I think at least offensively, they can maybe hit a level that the, the recent LeBron AD groups haven't been able to reach. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think this is why Malik Monk is one of the most important Lakers this season. You know, and you saw him kind of have really a flashpoint game with my against Miami where I think he finished what, 25 points? Maybe maybe a little bit more, but like the the bucket 27. with 27. The bucket with 5 seconds left on the shot clock. The uh he he hit a uh probably help this doesn't bother people but he hit a big balls three uh on on tyler hero i'm offended in in overtime well i don't care about you you're not people (laughs) when i say people it's not you if i offend you that's a win for me um but the but the but you know but that shot of just like pure guts and things like that like he needs to be that fourth kind of guy that really benefits off of the attention that Russ is going to get, that AD is going to get. When LeBron's out there, LeBron's going to get. Even when Carmelo's out there, you know, like he needs to benefit from that and take advantage of it. And he was showing a lot of those things with in this game, like just showing, you know, the 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 attitude and willingness to be that guy. And I think the confidence to be that guy, like he really is. It's I know it sounds silly because he's on a, a, a minimum and everything like that in Charlotte you know, didn't, didn't give him a qualifying offer and everything like that, but he is probably the most important Laker to the, in in terms of success for this team. Cause you kind of know what you're going to get from LeBron. You know what you need from Russ. You know what you're going to get from AD. Hopefully Melo continues to shoot it 
at this level. But after that, you need these guys. You need especially a guy like Malik Monk who's going to get minutes to be able to knock down shots and make plays because that's that's what they're missing with this roster. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think, because I, I guess zooming out, when, when this team's healthy, do you think he's the answer versus a guy like, say, Kendrick Nunn or Talon Horton Tucker? Like, do you, because I, w- I would say on, on paper, I, I would think those guys are ahead of him in the rotation. Those guys are making more money than him. Uh, you know, Talon got the, the you know, multi-year, uh, $10 million uh, you know, per year deal. You had uh, Kendrick coming over from Miami and, uh, he got the the taxpayer mid level. So, like, do do you think Malik can carve out a role in comparison with those guys, or you know, is it is it an either or thing? Can, can like, I guess, how how do you see that playing out? Because I I feel like when looking at the rotation, he was kind of one of the guys that I was like, I just don't see how when everyone's healthy, he has a clear role because you, you have Kendrick, who I think is, is going to factor in. Taylor, uh, Austin Reeves has played really well. Uh, Kent Bates. I mean, Wayne Ellington is supposed to be the best shooter on the team, even better than Melo, and he started to look better the past couple games. So, like, Lakers have, a, I, I think, a redundancy issue, which is a, a good problem to have. But you also have all these guys who are kind of on the same level, and it's really just like a, you know, pick your matchup, pick your night, where this guy's playing over this guy. Uh, but I, I guess, how do you see Malik from what you've seen this season, kind of fitting in uh, to the rotation longer term? Yeah, like that's a great question and everything you said, but I think he's a guy that's going to get minutes. You know, here's the thing. Taylor Horton Tucker, we still don't know what he is. Like they gave him money on the on the the prospects of what he can be. We don't know if he's going to reach those heights, you know, and in, in, in terms of being that. And, and, and when I say reach those heights, Yovan, I still don't even know what that is. You know, like I don't know what type of player he's going to be. I think he's got the all we know right now is he's very athletic. There's still a lot of question marks there. Kendrick Nunn's a good player, but like if we're being honest, like he's not a starting caliber guard. You know, like Miami played him that way, but they ended games with Goran Dragic. Like that's that's the kind of thing where it's like he's going to be a minutes eater in that type of situation. I I just think Monk is the dude that's so important for this team because of all those things. And and here's the most important thing because you talked about it. You know, there's a lot of redundancy at the guard position. And none of them are good perimeter defenders. There's not one of them where I'm like, yo, they're going to get stops. Like I could have told you yesterday. I I actually told people yesterday before the game, Tyler Hero is going to have a big night because the Lakers don't defend the perimeter well. And it's everything you touched on. And that includes Monk, you know, and I think that's the, uh, the thing. So whichever one of those guys 
can come up with opportunities to get stops, that's who Vogel's going to go with. Offensively, they all bring a little different things to the table, but it's going to come down to which one of these guys can help us get stops because that's what the game's going to come down to. And, and that's where um, I think we're, we're usually in agreement that, that, that this is where I'll, I'll maybe push back a little bit and that I do think Malik is probably the worst of the, that, that group defensively because um, – I mean, Talon's got size in the frame and he, he's not a good off ball defender. And that's what I'm, I'm really going to be interested to see once he finally plays. How is he off the ball? Because he's a guy who gets lost on on back cuts and around screens and stuff. But so does Malik. And, and you know, that Malik's already been benched a couple of times this season because of his defense. And it, his role is, is kind of vacillated where he, he started a couple games when LeBron was out. He's been out of the rotation. Uh, but I think when he plays like he did last night, I mean, you're probably right. Like he he. I think that version of Malik has a higher offensive ceiling than Kendrick or Talon for sure. And maybe you just live with the defense. And uh, and again, not to say that those guys are necessarily stoppers, but I do think Kendrick is someone who can get into the ball a little bit at least. Uh, Austin Reeves has actually been decent defensively and you know impressed on that end. And I don't know if Austin is someone he's necessarily in, compar- uh, you know, in, in competition with. Austin's probably more of a three. He's more battling like Kent Bazemore. Uh, or, or even Trevor Ariza for minutes. But yeah, it, it's fascinating because we, we, I think entering the season had no idea how the rotation was going to shake out. And we still have no idea because multiple guys were injured basically from the beginning of training camp. And some guys have returned, but then some guys have left. And uh, it, it's just, it, it's really interesting to see like kind of how this all plays out because uh, th- there's really no indication. And you mentioned, uh, Let's talk about the the starting lineup and and specifically the center rotation. You mentioned DeAndre Jordan, and he's the bane of every Laker fan's existence right now, where it it is just kind of frustrating to to watch him play and be this plodding center who, you know, a few years ago was arguably the most athletic center in the league. And he was an Olympian, an all-star, an all-NBA guy. But that has quickly changed, and uh, he, he still can finish lobs and and uh, you know dunk dunk uh, dump off passes and uh, grab rebounds and and you know tip out offensive rebounds. Uh, but defensively, particularly in the pick and roll and in rotations, uh, he is not mobile, and it, it's like you know he, he's in quicksand or something where he just can't move the way that he used to move, and teams are just destroying the Lakers. Uh, when, when, you know, against him in the pick and roll in his drop coverage. And I, I just think it's to the point where Frank Vogel's talked about it. Like his preference is to start 80 at the five, but he feels they're, they're too short on wings right now with LeBron and Ariza out. But I almost think you got to just go Dwight and, and pray that he stays out of foul trouble. And, you know, I mean, it's hard for him. He fouled out in 11 minutes last night. Uh, but I just think the alternate, like, I I just think you're, you're you know there's the the thing is a you know innings eater right and that's kind of a concept of uh, like the token starter Keith Bogans with, with the Bulls and uh, a couple years ago with the Clippers like Marcin Gortat and like you see that around the league where you, you kind of have the random starter who you know even Kavon Looney I think a little bit with with like the Warriors like it, it's it doesn't really make sense but like the the, the person's just kind of out there for 12, 15 minutes. And they're usually kind of like a net neutral or maybe even a slight negative, but you can kind of handle that with DeAndre. I think it's a glaring negative. And I think like 
again, like he, he will get some dunks and, you know, that'll look good, nice. But the defensive end, he's just not been good. And I think there's such a big gap between him and Dwight and obviously him and AD that it, it's to the point where the Lakers just are better off with him out of the rotation. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no real question about that. I think he needs to be your insurance guy in case Dwight can't play or, or AD needs to rest, and then you're going to start you're going to play Dwight heavy minutes and then give AD a run, or excuse me, uh, then give him the run in those things. Like he's just not that he's not what he used to be at this point. And you know, we knew that when he ended up signing with the Nets, you know, and and all of that. It was along those lines where we we're like, yeah, it's it's probably near the end for him. The, the most important thing to me is they have to start small. I know Vogel is saying it's because it's they're short on wings right now. But even when LeBron was healthy, they were still starting big and things like that. Ultimately, what it's doing is it's putting their offense behind the eight ball already because now you just don't have spacing on the court, even if it's Dwight, you know, and, and, and everything you're doing because it's just hard to play basketball with two non-shooters on the court in the NBA nowadays. You can get away with one, and that one's going to be Russell Westbrook right now. And it's it becomes very, very difficult when it's a, when the second guy is going to be a, a, a guy that's going to clog the paint. And that's going to be a Dwight Howard or a DeAndre Jordan just sitting in the dunker spot and sitting in that area and waiting to kind of come in and crash the offensive rebound or whatnot. So I just think they have to find a way to just – embrace playing small even if they don't have the wings and they just got to go real small for a little bit while LeBron's out you know and maybe that's having to start mellow at the four you know that's not going to be great for your defense but like I'm still confident in their defense is going to drop off I I will be shocked if they finish in the top half of the NBA defensive rating just because you know this is still early and the stats aren't fully fleshed out yet but you know, it's it's got to be the offense. You can't start these games always going down, and they're always starting what feels like a negative at tip off when they're starting a big. Yeah, and DeAndre Jordan has a min or the Lakers have a minus eight point three net rating with DJ on the floor, uh, second worst on the team behind our good old pal Avery Bradley, uh, who's a minus twelve point seven. You're and, good uh, old pal. I never had a problem with him. It's your good old pal, buddy. Uh, ne- never been a, a big Avery fan. Um, but <laughs> you had to have just rolled your eyes or throw your phone when you got the alert that Avery Bradley was coming back to LA. I, I mean, my, my thing is if you can't make the, the Warriors roster as the 15th man, uh, why are you making the Lakers roster as the 15th <laughs> man when the Lakers are have higher expectations? But uh, I mean, he's been he's been fine. I still think defensively he's like it it was funny to me last night like this to me kind of summarized the Avery Bradley experience uh there there was one possession well he he hit three threes in a row to end uh the first quarter and I I think it was like the second or third three Miami's completely leaving him open which is like you know he even if he shoots he's always kind of in that 35 36 percent range but no one guards him uh so He's wide open, which not helping your spacing and drains a corner three. And then it's kind of like you could tell, he, I, I, again, it was like his second or third one in a row. He's starting to feel himself. And as he's like jogging back, kind of like w- with a little strut in his step, uh, he uh, Tyler Hero is bringing the ball up. He's defending him. He's locked in. And the second Tyler Hero gives the ball up, uh, Tyler Hero cuts to the basket. Avery just like leaves his defensive stance, stops defending him. 
starts to trail him and is like not really fighting to get around the screen. Tyler Hero curls up and comes off another screen and just gets a wide open three with Avery like five feet off of him. And I'm like, that's the Avery Bradley experience is like on the one end. <laughs> sure, he's, he's going to hit some shots, but he's never going to be guarded. And then on the other end, he tries when he's on the ball, but off the ball, he is a my you know a, a, an average to minus defender who you know doesn't really care as long as he's like he I don't know so we're, we're of course we're we're talking about Avery right now but uh, <laughs> I guess to, to the DeAndre thing I think with Frank what we do know about him is he tends to default towards defense and he's just I mean he's a defensive coach that there's no secret about that and I, I think. He's, I mean, he's kind of said this, and I think you can just read it with his rotation decisions. Whenever there's a, a, a competition between two guys, he tends to favor the, the defensive matchup. And there are exceptions, like I think Andre Drummond last year, obviously Russ. Uh, you know, there's certain guys who are just going to get certain minutes or roles because of their status. But aside from that, what, really, when it comes to role players, uh, Frank will often, uh, you know, favor the guy who's a better defender and that, I mean, I, I think he's doing that with the DJ situation in theory because it's giving them more size and athleticism and, and length, but it's just not panning out. And it, it, it's really to your point. Like I actually thought, I, I don't know if you caught uh, these games, but th- they had a couple game stretch where Dwight missed. It was against the Rockets and they started small, started with AD, brought DeAndre off the bench and I thought DJ was actually better with the bench unit. And uh, like Frank has said, he, he really likes Dwight off the bench. He, he thinks he dominates second unit centers and, and you know, had that role a couple of years ago and is really effective. But to me, you know, there is, in my opinion, just such a, a, a big gap between the two players that I actually think it's kind of the reverse where like you, you just you want Dwight for the energy to start. And then you like DJ can get away with not being a mobile defender against most second units. And maybe there's a matchup where they expose him and, and you got to bench him. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm with you overall that I think they got to go smaller, but I think Frank's so concerned with, I mean, I mean now they, they losing, they lost Austin Reeves now for two weeks. Like they legitimately don't have any other guy above six, six other than mellow, you know, and the, the, the centers. So it's like, I mean, maybe you start mellow, but, but then you don't have anyone else coming off the bench with, with size. So like, I, I think they're in a tough spot right now with the injuries, but I think once Trevor Reza is back, once LeBron is back, we will see them finally go small. Uh, that, that's my prediction. I think AD is going to start the five in the second half of the season. Ariza and LeBron will be the starting forwards and you'll see a different team. But until then, it has not been pretty with the starting group. I'm worried about Ariza. I'll be honest with you. Like It wasn't like he was a, a, a young pup coming in now, you know, and, and the injuries really, I'm afraid going to set him back some, like, I think the, I, I mean, I won't be surprised if he comes back and it's just never fully to get, get back on track in terms of getting the season going, just because that injury right there to start the season really can derail things. And that's, you know, like putting a lot of uh, hope into that box is, is very dangerous for the Lakers. You know, and, and and I think that's something they got to be very cognizant of, you know, like LeBron, we know is going to come back and he's going to be LeBron James and things like that and and everything that goes with it. But the Ariza aspect of it, because, again, 
he's already beginning to kind of look like, all right, might be time to hang it up, dude, um, type situation. And then adding this injury, it just takes so much longer to come back from um, when you're when you're old. Trust me, I know because I can't bounce back from my runs anymore <laughs> like I used to. Yovan, like I'm getting tired <laughs> yeah. after my runs. I was um, going to insert a joke, but yeah. Yeah. I know well, I was trying to beat you to it because I know you wanted <laughs> – you know, I was trying to beat my, you know, okay. I, I can sense you. And that's why I never feel bad when I offend you. Little <laughs> punk ass. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but I think that's the thing. And I'm very concerned about that with the reason. I won't be surprised if he doesn't really find a, a way to crack the rotation. You know, I know Frank's going to give him a chance. For, for one thing about Vogel is everybody does get opportunities throughout the course of a season. You know, like we've seen him play with lineups throughout most of the season and rotations. It's never like really set until just about the playoffs. So he'll get his opportunities. But I, I have a lot of questions about Ariza and not a lot of faith. So let's say that Trevor Ariza, uh, because we, we still don't know when he's going to be back. They said they'll reevaluate him in eight weeks, which I think some people might take as, oh, he'll be back in eight weeks. But no, that's not how this works. A reevaluation in eight weeks that's a uh, open-ended timetable. And again, with the way these things work with, with it, you know, injuries and, and surgery, you know, reevaluation could be, okay, well now it's like another week or two of rehab and then it's a week of practicing and, and then, you, you know, or, or non-contact practice and then contact practice. And like, so just because in the, that first week or two of December, he's going to be reevaluated. That doesn't mean he's going to be back by even say Christmas. So, we have no idea when Trevor Reese is going to be back. Frankly, we don't know when Taylor Horton Tucker is going to be back. We don't know when Kendrick Nunn's going to be back. We don't yeah, know when LeBron's going to be back. Like there, there's so many. I mean, now Austin Reeves is going to be reevaluated in two weeks. He could be out. Like so, the Lakers have some some, and it's interesting that it's a, a lot of the young guys. Like it's not yes, LeBron and Ariza are, are are both 36, but you know Reeves is is 23, Taylor's 20, uh, Kendrick's what 25 or 24, 25. So. They have, you know, a lot of the young guys have, have already suffered some injuries and it, it's really affecting the rotation uh, and what this could look like. But let's say that Trevor Reza either, you know, misses half the season or, you know, comes back and just is a shell of, of even what he was last season with Miami. What what do the Lakers do? You know, do they go with that smaller lineup and, and just say, hey, LeBron, you just have to play more for and you don't have that Shane Battier-esque forward because that's kind of how I view Trevor Reza is like he's basically the Shane Battier Miami and I know he's not at that level but basically you know like you, you know if, if we're playing a team with a four that is physical and we don't really want to you know waste LeBron's energy banging with that guy like you're going to bang with that guy and then on the other end just space the floor get out in transition and uh and you know kind of play your role so if Ariza can't do that the Lakers don't have another six, seven to six, nine guy to kind of slot in there. Like even Kent Bazemore, who has some length, is, is only six four, six five. So like, what what do they do? You know, do they look for? I mean, are you trying to flip Taylor or Kendrick as really the only two guys you can trade with above minimum salary contracts uh, around the trade deadline? Like, are you hoping someone gets bought out? But we don't really see wings get bought out on the buyout market. Uh, like. Or are you just saying, hey, we're going to have to play a little bit smaller and like that's more on you, LeBron. That's more on UAD. But, you know, that's just kind of how we have to play to accommodate Russ. Like, how do you kind of see them navigating that potential issue? 
I mean, it's going to be maybe a little bit unfair, maybe a little bit harsh, but like those two guys are the ones that pushed for Russ. It's going to be more on them. You know, like LeBron is going to have to play more power forward. AD is going to have to play more center to make this work with with Russ. And because of the the limitations of the roster with everything that it has. And I think the the thing that's kind of important to remember, too, it's we're well past the days when the power forward is Horace Grant, right? Like it's a, 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 another banging four type guy. It's it's we're, we're beyond that. A lot of the fours are just stretch fours. Utah, it's mm-hmm. Bogdanovich, right? The, 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 the four in, in Golden State is generally Draymond Green because they're starting Looney. But, you know, it's like we said earlier, it's like a ceremonial start. You know, in crunch time, they're generally going small. So you're not really banging with with the four. So like it, it's just those guys have to take on more. And I think at least my under, that was my understanding that they knew that when they were pushed for us. And if they didn't, that was a poor calculation on LeBron and AD's part, you know, because Buddy Heald's killing in Sacramento right now. And it wouldn't have cost nearly as much as it does now, you know, as as, as it did to get Russ. And just the situation it's put them in, in everything. I don't know if there's a market for Taylor Horton Tucker, and I don't know if you could trade him after you passed, you you basically decided not to sign Alex Caruso so that you could get these other guys and pay Tucker. I don't know if you can make that trade. I don't know if there's a market for Kendrick Nunn, you know, like he'll have to be pretty impressive for somebody to want to give up a wing because wings are a premium right now. And I, I just don't see it there. So really their only options is, is that, or hope there's some dude in the G league that's just ready to kill right now for them. Which to their credit, they've done a great job drafting and finding guys in the G league. And I think Austin Reeves is the latest Another, example yeah, of that. Great point. Great. I mean, they, they definitely have, I just don't know if there's a guy there right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's a fair. Uh, let, let's close with this. Um, I'm curious what you think of Frank Vogel and the job that he has done this season, because I've seen it a lot. Uh, I, I do mailbags and, and Q&As for the podcast and just tweeting, you know, Lakers news and, and, and different stuff. I get the the blowback of, you know, what's Frank doing with the rotation and people are upset with the starting lineup and, uh, you know, ev- everyone has their opinions on who should play and who shouldn't. And, you know, I, I think there, there's some fairness to some of the criticism. I think, again, DeAndre Jordan should not be the starting center. I think the the Russ-Rondo lineups have been atrocious and uh, really just never made sense. But I think for the most part, I mean, this is a guy who won a championship two years ago to me, is one of the better coaches in the league. He's an elite defensive tactician. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves for his performance in that 2020 playoff run of you know adjusting his defensive scheme against Damian Lillard, against James Harden, against Jimmy Butler, against Nikola Jokic, and playing different lineups and, and rotations tailored to the opponent and the offense. And you know, I think he does have an interesting flexibility with his coaching style in terms of, you know, he isn't afraid to bench guys in, in certain, uh, you know, matchups and, and contexts. So uh, I, I know no coach is perfect ever. You know, I don't know a fan base that doesn't have an issue with their coaching staff's rotation and, and you know, handling of, of certain players. But um, I think there, there has been 
know, with that five and five start and with the Portland loss, with the Thunder loss, uh, losses rather, I think I think there kind of was some moments there of like, is Frank potentially in trouble or is this kind of trending that way where if this team is 10 and 10 after 20 games, like is his job potentially uh, in jeopardy, right? So, you know, where are you with, with Frank and the, the job he's done this season and also the, the cards that he was dealt because he didn't trade for Russell Westbrook. He didn't assemble this roster that is, you know, relatively defensive challenged or defensively challenged. And, you know, he, he can only coach the pieces that he has. And again, we, we started the pod with their 13th in defense. Like the, the offense has actually that been more of an issue. That, so that, that says it all. <laughs> this team should not even be 13th in defense. Like, let's just be, <laughs> let's just start there. Okay. So Vogel right there, like that's pretty impressive. Laker fans have a ridiculously high standard and it's very unfair. Right. And, and I'm going to just say this and I'm sure you guys will complain, but y'all are spoiled plain and simple. I mean, the the coaches you've had, you've had phenomenal coaches throughout your history and things like that. I understand all that. I'm going to fight for Frank a little bit. And this is funny because I just pushed on the whole, why are you starting big, blah, blah, blah type deal. The the one thing I'll say is he'll try anything. You just, you, you know, the the Rondo and, and, and Russ rotation, you know, backcourt. Like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but you got to take a look, you know, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, hey, like maybe for whatever reason, this might work. So you do you do throw some random stuff out there and things like that. There are too many coaches that are afraid to play and experiment a little bit. And I think that's something you're you, you, he doesn't get enough credit with that, you know, and, you know, yes, it'd be nice if he had a set rotation. But we also we said it just from the beginning of this podcast. They haven't been healthy all year. He hasn't had the full accommodation of his roster, mm-hmm. you know. So, like to critique him and 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 to really go out of our way to 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 kill him and put this on him, I don't know if that's fair, you know. Mm-hmm. And even if this is a tough team to coach as 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 it stands, you know, with with the difficulties of the roster and the personalities, you know, and it's not an easy environment. And you're in the pressure cooker being a a, a LeBron James team. And on top of that, being a Laker team, you know, I think he's handled it well throughout his his two year run so far. So it's funny when it's like, man, can Frank get in trouble? Is he going to get fired and things like that? Like, you know, the coaches often end up the the scapegoat, but it's not always their fault, regardless of how it plays out. So, yeah, you may not like the rotations and what he's doing right now. But let me just say, like, who is he supposed to play at this point? You know, like how many healthy bodies does he have, you know, and, and, and everything that he that he's going through. So, yeah, we're going to be critical. There is stuff to be that we could point to and say, why aren't you doing this more? Why aren't you doing that? But I, I just don't think people fully understand how good of a job he's done so far because, yeah, they're seven and five, have some real bad losses to Oklahoma City and things like that. But, man, like I, I don't know if they're if they would have had a better coach right now. You know, and I don't know if the answer is, hey, we need to get rid of Frank, even if the year doesn't pan out where they win a championship or even get to the finals. I don't know if you could put that on Frank Vogel, considering when you look at the the way the roster is constructed, because there's not like a clear way to play with this team. Yeah. And if anything, like, I think, I mean, I mean, again, like you, you, in my opinion, you want if I'm looking at this roster and what this roster needs, I want a defensive minded coach because I know when it comes down to it. 
you throw eight. I mean, and we've seen it. We, we've seen it down the stretch of close games, uh, especially when LeBron was healthy. Like you throw LeBron and Russ and AD and Melo out there and whoever that fifth guy is, be it a, a shooter or more of a defensive guy, like offensively, they're going to be fine. I mean, you can run so many variations of LeBron AD pick and roll, LeBron Russ pick and roll, Russ AD pick and roll. Uh, you know, you could post a, a couple of those guys up. You can run three man. Like they're going to figure that out. And, and we have seen some progress with that. And then if you have Mello and Wayne Ellington spotting up or, or, you know, kind of relocating around the arc, like those are two high level shooters who are going to make you pay with quick releases if you help off those guys. So like the offensive end, I, I think it's a little disappointing to be where they currently are, but I, I've always kind of had fewer concerns with, with that end as long as they play small. Of course, if they play big, then you run into all this stuff where Russ is driving into like the center's man who, who's helping off him, and it's a whole thing. So as long as they play small, I think the offensive end will be fine. It's been the defense. And for, as we're saying, for Frank to have this group be depleted, be missing several key guys who theoretically would help your defense in like an Ariza and even a Talon or, or a Kendrick, I think, versus some of the, the able bodies that they have, that to me is is encouraging, and uh, I think the defense. I mean, they should theoretically get better on both ends, right? Like throughout the season, as they get acclimated to each other, as as guys kind of learn and embrace their roles. So, uh, as much as it's been doom and gloom, I think a little bit to start the season, like this team should have beat OKC both times, and they win those two games. They're nine and three, and I don't think we're talking about Frank's job security. I, I think even this podcast probably has a, a more positive tone overall. So I, I don't, you know, the Lakers aren't that far away from that. And yes, they've had a cupcake schedule. Yes, it's going to get harder coming up. But I think all things considered, they're in a good spot. And, and I do think those Charlotte and, and Miami wins were important. And it did show that this team has a level of resiliency and, and has a level of togetherness that we hadn't really seen from them yet. Yeah. And one more thing about this team, because I know it's been a cupcake schedule and everything like that. So it's like, why haven't you racked up the wins? I also feel like this is the type of team that rises to the challenge in big games, you know, and I think, you know, yeah, they lost the game against the Golden State Warriors on opening night, but I think they're about ready to roll when they see big names come in. So I'm going to be excited to watch how they how they play once the schedule gets a little little tougher and we get deeper into the season. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I. I <laughs> There we go. There, there was way too much Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan on this podcast. Uh, it was your that. podcast. You took us there. <laughs> it devolved. Um, <laughs> Mo, thank you so much for your time. Uh, as always, where can people find you on social media? Easiest thing is follow me on Twitter at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore N-B-A. And don't miss my Twitch show. I'm doing a Twitch stream Monday through Friday at 11 a.m where I basically just go through games from the night before, stuff I found interesting. I'm putting together edits, basically. Like, Yovan, I've turned back to a video coordinator. I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. I'm putting edits together, and I'm trying to help the folks understand what they're watching. So come through on Twitch, but follow me on Twitter, and you'll find all my stuff. Definitely be sure to do that. Uh, One thing that Mo does that I love is he'll do these threads in games where he's breaking down plays, and it's not just like, you know, three, four or five plays the way that some people do. He'll do 10, 15, 20 plus plays uh, and really take you behind the scenes of what a video coordinator is looking at, what, you know, what something you might miss on that possession and, and why uh, something worked or didn't work. So 
Uh, be sure to, to follow him on Twitter and read his work on Bleacher Report. Uh, listen to his work on The Athletic. Uh, as always, you can follow me on uh, all the social media platforms, including TikTok. I'm getting more active on TikTok. Mo, we got to get you on there. I'm on TikTok. Is, I'm on, on okay, TikTok. he's on TikTok. Check him out I, on TikTok. Trust me, oh. I'm, I'm not easy. Even all the old jokes you want to make, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> so I, I, I'm starting to post more content there, get more active. So at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you're not subscribed to this podcast yet, you can do so at uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, be sure to subscribe. And if you've not subscribed to The Athletic, I don't know what you're doing, but make sure you go to theathletic.com or you you could subscribe off of my Twitter. If you go to my Twitter, uh, constantly posting my stories, that'll help me out. Uh, So for Mo, I'm Jovan. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week to talk more Lakers.